Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning. If you would like to just draw your conversations to a close, I know how chatty you all are. If you're online, you can probably hear the chatter in the background. Welcome if you're online. I want to start, um, <clears throat> I want to start by telling you about a funny conversation that I had with my son, Judah, uh, this week. Uh, Judah's, uh, Judah's birthday is coming up. You can put it in your diary if you like. His, his birthday is coming up. And so uh, this week, um, I was tucking him into bed one evening and I was asking him about how he wants to celebrate his birthday. Uh, and he said that he would really love to have some pizza with some of his friends. And I was like, great, thinking, easy, easy win, brilliant. I can do pizza with friends. And he said, but hang on, mum, very serious, there's a problem. He said, because um, my best friend will only eat Jesus pizza. I was like, sorry, sorry, Jesus pizza. Judah's like, yep, Jesus pizza. It's the only pizza he, he will eat. It's like, really, Jesus pizza. He's like, yes, Jesus pizza. Pizza. I was like, how do you know? He said, well, because last time I was at his house, um, his parents ordered pizza in and he was very specific. He said to his mom, uh, I would like Jesus pizza. It's like, oh, okay, Jesus pizza. I said, so what did, what did this pizza look like when it arrived? Uh, and he said, well, it was actually, it was, it was like just the base and then just the tomato sauce. It's like, well, just the base and the tomato sauce. So there's no cheese. He's like, yeah, no, no cheese. I'm like, oh, the penny drop. So, so was it a cheeseless pizza? And Judah's like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a cheeseless pizza. I was imagining like a pizza in the sign of a cross, you know, or like with bread and wine on top of it. But no, it was a cheeseless pizza. Anyway, that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to share with you this morning, uh, except for the fact that we're going to be talking about Jesus. Yes, just don't be thinking about pizza for the rest of the morning. Um, actually, seriously, my, my hope, my hope this morning is that in sharing this message with you, whether you have been a Christian for years and years or whether you're here uh, exploring faith, maybe you're new this morning with us, uh, my, my hope and prayer is that your heart and your mind would be awakened to who Jesus is, not just who Jesus is, but a, a bit like what was happening in the worship that you might experience His immense love and His immense care for you, for each person here. And so um, we're gonna jump straight into the Bible together. If you've been tracking through the series, you know we've been looking at these different encounters that Jesus has in the Gospels. Uh, and so we're gonna open our Bibles at Luke 8, Starting at verse 42, the words are gonna come up on the screen. It says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So Jesus is in this, this town, this village, and the whole community has come out. And this crowd is crushing around Jesus and present in the crowd is this woman. This woman who has been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. In fact, it says in Mark's version of this story that she had tried to seek healing. She'd spent all her money trying to get healing from doctors and no one could make her better. If anything, she'd got worse. 
says this, verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said kind of tactfully, uh, Master, there are people crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, no, no, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. And so here, here is this woman, this woman, she has been suffering for 12 long years. And we can assume, judging by her medical condition, that she was probably in almost constant pain or at least discomfort for the full duration of those 12 years. But the extent of her suffering goes way beyond her physical condition. Because on top of her physical condition is the stigma, the stigma of her physical condition in that society at that time. And you know, actually, even in this time, in this day and age, we're not always comfortable about talking about gynecological issues. But actually in that time, in, in that place, in that culture, if you had this condition, it would have been the source of unimaginable humiliation. And actually in a small community like that would have been where everybody knows everyone and everyone knows each other's business. There was no hiding. There was no anonymity for this woman. And yet at the same time, this kind of cruel paradox, not only would everybody know, but at the same time, she would have spent those last 12 years in almost total isolation, totally alone, virtually no physical human contact for this woman at all. Just imagine that for a moment. Because what we know about Jewish law at that time is that, is that to be around a woman who was on her period, the woman would have been deemed unclean. And so this woman has spent the last 12 years permanently unclean. And the social ramifications for that are massive. You see, anyone who would have come into contact with her would have been contaminated with her uncleanness. That meant that not only was she unclean, but anything that she touched was unclean. Any space she walked into was unclean. Any food that she prepared was unclean. And so her only option was to live her life totally alone. And so this woman, we can only assume, is at the end of herself. She is at the end of the end of the end of herself. She's tried everything to get better. As we said, all the money's gone, visited every doctor, nothing's helped. If anything, she's got worse and she's utterly desperate. This condition has robbed her of everything. She is living as like a shadow of her former self. And then one day she hears about Jesus. Maybe she overhears a conversation between others and she hears about this man, Jesus, that is going around healing people's diseases. And as she hears about Jesus, there's this something sparked within her. Like, like there is a glimmer of hope, the tiniest flicker of faith that maybe, maybe, just maybe, 
Jesus can do it. That Jesus can change her life around. And that, that spark of hope, that, that flicker of faith, it is enough to compel her out of her 12 years of isolation, out of the suffocating restrictions of the, the religious rules and the social taboos, compel her out into the crowd that particular day, that crowd of people that she will have grown up with, all, all pushing and jostling to get as close to Jesus as they possibly can. And we can assume that she can't risk being spotted. And so I'm imagining that her headscarf is pulled right down over her face. And then she gets close enough. She gets close enough to, the, to Jesus. She's in touching distance of Him and she dares to reach out her hand and the tips of her fingers brush the edge of His cloak. And in that instant, she feels something in her body change. Something changes. Whatever was broken inside of her is fixed in an instant. She knows it. She feels the change. She knows it's happened. And I can imagine like her heart and her mind racing as she, as she begins to imagine all that this could mean for her. And I'm guessing because it's insinuated there in Luke, I'm guessing that her plan is to exit the crowd really quickly, unnoticed, so that no one discovers that she's been there in violation of the laws the whole time. But she suddenly becomes aware that Jesus is also aware that something significant has just happened. Because Jesus is saying, within the context of this crushing, jostling crowd, he's saying, who's touched me? Who's touched me? He says he feels, he's felt power come out of him and he seems determined to find out who the recipient is of that power. And yet we also get a sense because it's Jesus that he already knows who it is. He already knows that it's this woman. And at that moment, she knows that she can't get away with just slipping away, leaving the crowd unnoticed. In fact, she knows that she's gonna have an opportunity to look this man in the face. And she's gonna have the opportunity to communicate some level of the depth of the gratitude that she feels. And so without thinking, like, like her body almost takes over before her mind can catch up. She drops to her knees before Jesus and the truth just pours out in front of everyone, in front of her whole community. She's terrified, we're told in Luke. She's terrified, but I can imagine she's almost also liberated. She's empowered all at the same time. There is something about the presence of Jesus. And I'm imagining the crowd holding its breath. What's this teacher gonna do? What's this rabbi going to do? What's this healer going to do in the presence of this unclean woman? And Jesus' response, he looks at her. He looks at her, he abolishes yet more social taboo. And he looks at her and he says, daughter, daughter, this unclean, destitute woman. He says, your faith has healed you. And with the whole crowd listening, the whole crowd present, he says to her, go in peace. You know, this brief encounter with Jesus, the trajectory of her life is completely turned around. Because in this brief moment with Jesus, Jesus 
not only heals her physically, but he heals her socially. Jesus heals her emotionally and he heals her spiritually. He restores this woman on every possible level. Jesus heals her socially. You know, this is so important. Jesus heals her socially. You see, being part of a community at that time, community would have been a lifeline for her. In that culture, community was everything. It's how existence happened. But you know, when I read the first, the, the, the first few verses for the first time, those verses actually that, that talk about Jesus choosing to identify her in the crowd, I wondered why Jesus felt it was necessary to do that. Why not just let us slip away without the crowd finding out that she was there in violation of the law? You know, it seems actually on Jesus's part like a high risk strategy because we don't know how the crowd are gonna react. We don't know if they're gonna be hostile towards her at discovering that this unclean person has been amongst them the whole time. A bit like being on a packed train in 2020 and then finding out that in the middle of the carriage is someone with COVID, you know, a little bit like that. But also nothing like that, because these aren't just strangers on a train. Uh, these are people that know her. These are people that know her story. They know her family. And so as I've given it a bit more thoughts, why would Jesus want to identify her in this moment? And there are many reasons, but, but the crux of it is, it demonstrates Jesus's great compassion towards her. He insists that she comes out of the shadows. He insists that she comes out of a hiding place. And everyone there in the crowd is there for Jesus. They've all stopped what they're doing. They've all heard he's coming. They've dropped everything so that they can meet Jesus, so that they can see Jesus. Jesus is the star of the show in that crowd, in that moment. They're hanging on his every word. They're waiting to see what he's gonna do next. Jesus is in the position of power in this moment. And it is just like Jesus to use his power. He uses his power to identify the most powerless person in the crowd that day and elevate them in front of everyone. Isn't that just like Jesus? You know, he's surrounded by all these people and they want a piece of him and he stops to engage the one person that no one wants anything to do with. That is Jesus. And he calls her daughter. This woman, this woman who hasn't known the intimacy of family for 12 years, he says, daughter, daughter. And you know, there's so much that we could unpack within that one word, daughter, but you know, a significant part of the reason that Jesus addresses her in that way, one part of it is that Jesus is reinstating her place in community. You know, she can no longer be invisible. She can no longer just be this embarrassment in the community. No, because she's daughter. The rabbi, Jesus, the coming Messiah calls her daughter. He gives her honour. He gives her dignity when she's only known contempt and humiliation. Isn't that like Jesus? He restores her socially because there's more. There's more because he also heals her emotionally. 
He heals her emotionally. You know, just think about it. Think about this woman's existence, rejection, loneliness, shame. That has been her existence for the last decade. Can you imagine the toll that that has taken on her emotional world? I think probably for most of us in the room, it's, it's, it's just incomprehensible to imagine the emotional weight that she is carrying. And Jesus says to her, go in peace. Now this word peace is so important. This word peace uh, translated from the Hebrew word is shalom, shalom. Uh, and it's, it's not an easy word to tra- translate into to English because we miss, we miss out on some of the depth uh, and the meaning that is held within this word shalom. And essentially shalom means wholeness. It means completeness. And actually the Greek word for peace, which is the word that Jesus uses in this instance is irene, which means like a binding together, a pulling together of that which has been separated. And so the opposite of shalom, it isn't conflict. The opposite of shalom is brokenness. It's a better word to describe the absence of shalom. It's brokenness, it's fragmentation and yes, This woman's body is broken, but also she is living with deep emotional brokenness that comes from all the shame and all the rejection and all the isolation that she's had to live with for so long. And can you imagine, can you imagine some of the voices that must exist within her internal world? Can you imagine? You're worthless. You don't matter. You're nothing. You're dirty. No one loves you. No one wants you. And I wonder if there might be people here and you recognize those voices. You're too familiar with those voices. And so when Jesus says to her, go in peace, this isn't just like a nice thing to say. It's not like Jesus saying goodbye in a particularly nice way. No, 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 no. This greeting, it is like loaded with meaning because by saying go in peace, Jesus is saying, I created you. Jesus is saying, I made every part of what makes you, you. I see you as a whole person, my creation, my daughter, but I see that there are parts of you that are broken, not just your body, but other parts of you that are broken. Let's me fix you. All the brokenness, all the brokenness, not just your body, but your heart and your mind too. But even more than that, even more than that, not just socially, not just emotionally, Jesus also wants to heal her spiritually. He wants to bring shalom. He wants to bring wholeness and connectedness into her soul, her very soul. Jesus wants to heal her spiritually. He says to her, your faith has healed you. Again, there is so much that we could unpack in that one little line, if only we had time. But but one thing that those words do when he speaks them over her is that they validate the faith that she has chosen to put in Jesus's ability to heal her. He validates her faith in him. His ability to heal her on every level. You remember Jewish law. In Jewish law, this this woman 
is seen as unclean by her physical condition. But being unclean wasn't just about a person's physical condition. It wasn't just about their physical uncleanness. The status of being unclean was also a religious, a spiritual condition. You see, if you're unclean, it would mean that you couldn't go and worship, you couldn't go and pray publicly, you couldn't engage in community. And and there was a separation from God because it was understood that your uncleanness might make other people unclean. In fact, it would make other people unclean. And then, and then God sends Jesus to earth, His only begotten Son. He sends Jesus to earth as a human being to show us what God is like. Jesus, who died on the cross for our brokenness, for my brokenness. Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin and our mess and our spiritual uncleanness. And on that cross, there's this history-altering exchange that takes place. Because as our uncleanness, as our shame and our sin is laid on Jesus' broken and battered body on that cross, instead of our uncleanness making Him unclean, His cleanness, His perfection, His righteousness, His goodness makes us clean. We are washed clean in the blood of Jesus. And so our spiritual brokenness is healed, is restored. And the outworking of that is that we are free. We we are free to have relationship, to have connection with God. And that's what we see Jesus doing with this woman. It's like a foretaste of what what will be won for the whole of humankind on the cross. Instead of her uncleanness making Jesus unclean, Jesus' cleanness makes her clean in front of everyone, in front of the whole crowd, this woman's body and mind. Yes, that they were crying out for healing, crying out for shalom, for restoration, but her spirit was also crying out for connection with God too. As every human heart is, Maybe you recognize that within yourself. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. And as I say that phrase, there's a recognition that takes place. My heart is crying out. My spirit is crying out for connection with God. Because until a human heart finds home with Jesus, that longing will always be there. I can tell you that now. That aching, that longing, it will always be there until we find home and healing and forgiveness in Jesus. And for this woman with all that pain, all the disappointment that she's carrying, you know, I can only imagine that her understanding of God is kind of complex. You know, it's, it's, it's probably not straightforward, her understanding of who God is or, or what He thinks of her. Maybe you can relate. Because you know, there were also religious people at that time who believed that if you were living with a chronic condition or a disability, then the cause of it was probably some terrible sin that you'd committed or some terrible sin that your parents had committed. And that was why you were living with this illness or this disability. And in another part of the Gospels, Jesus goes out of his way to correct that wrong way of thinking. But this woman is living under that kind of religious, spiritual condemnation. And so she 
could well have come to the assumption or the conclusion that God at best didn't really like her, that God at best didn't really care about her. And then here's Jesus. And then here's Jesus picking her out in the crowd. Jesus, the living, breathing embodiment of Almighty God sees her and He says to her, you know, I see, I see all that you've had to overcome spiritually to choose to believe in me. I see it. I see all that you've had to overcome spiritually to choose to put your faith in my ability to heal you. I see your spiritual hunger and I wanna satisfy it right now and forever. So you'll never be hungry anymore. And you know, that's what Jesus still does. He still does that today. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's like to live with a chronic illness like this woman has had to, but I do know what spiritual hunger feels like. I've been there. You know, I know what it's like to to try and fill that spiritual hunger with, with everything else and then discovering that it just makes you feel worse in the end. You know, and, and for me, for me, it, it was sex and relationships. I know I'm old and married now and my parents are sitting on the front row. <laughs> but, you know, a number of years ago, before I was married to Tim, that, that, that is how I thought that I would get fixed. You know, that, if, that if, I, if I could find enough guys that deemed me lovable enough, enough guys that found me attractive enough, then maybe it would stop, it would quench that longing, that aching in my heart. But what I've discovered, what I've discovered is that the only relationship that truly fulfills that deep longing and aching is the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're gonna give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus in just a few moments. You know, before we do that, there is one last aspect of her healing that we haven't covered. And that's the very reason that she went to Jesus, took those risks to find Jesus in the first place. And that's that Jesus heals her physically. He heals her physically. This woman with this chronic medical condition with clear chronic symptoms, Jesus heals her in an instant. The bleeding stops instantly. She's completely better. We we just can't put this down to coincidence. You know, this isn't because this woman, you know, overcame with the power of positive thinking. No, this is Jesus. This is miraculous, supernatural healing. We cannot escape from the fact of that. And the promise is, when I read the Scriptures, is that Jesus leaves us at the end of the Gospels, even though He's not here physically, He, by His Holy Spirit working within us, that we might see the same thing happening today, that we might see people happening today if we ask Him. But there's a tension, isn't there? There's a tension, and anyone in this room, anyone in this room, who has ever prayed for somebody to get well, prayed for someone to get healed and it hasn't happened, you will know this tension. And the thing is, I know people, I know people who have been prayed for who have been healed. Tumors that have disappeared on x-rays. Years of back pain ended in a minute. Years of migraines, years of seizures ended in a moment through prayer 
through supernatural healing in the name of Jesus. But, but the truth is, I also know lots of people that haven't received the physical healing that they're longing for. I know that too. And sometimes it is agonizingly disappointment, disappointing. And, and maybe that's your story today. And you know, the temptation is to think, oh, it's God's fault. You know, when we don't see everybody healed, it's God's fault. Maybe he didn't actually mean it. Maybe he didn't actually mean it when he said that we would see even greater miracles than the ones that he performed when he was here on earth. Or, or the other option is, it's our fault. It's, it's our fault. We didn't pray hard enough. You know, we didn't have enough faith. You know where I've landed? I don't, I don't think the truth lies in either one of those black and white ways of thinking. I think it lies in the gray of understanding the bigger picture. Because the bigger picture is that there will be a day, Revelation promises us that, there will be a day in the future where Jesus will come and bring shalom to the whole earth. Everything will be made whole. Everything will be restored and renewed back to its beautiful original design. There will be no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, and when Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, we begin to see these glimpses, these glimpses of this glorious future that awaits us. You know, it's a bit like, a bit like those days, you know, in early spring, at the end of like a long, gray, cold winter. And in early spring, you get those rare days where suddenly the sun comes out. And for the first time in what feels like months, you feel that amazing feeling of the warmth of the sun on your face. And if you're anything like me, you dust off the barbecue, you, you take your, your summer clothes out of hibernation, and then it rains solidly for like the next three weeks with like the odd hailstorm thrown in for good measure. You know, praying, praying for healing can sometimes feel a bit like that. Sometimes we see glimpses the sun comes out and then gray, and then gray, and then gray. It's hard, it's hard. And so we live in this tension. As a church, we have chosen to live in this tension between knowing, between having faith, between being expectant that God can and does heal today. He can and He does heal today, but we also wanna stand with those that are in the disappointment of not getting the physical healing that they are longing for. That's how we want to position ourselves as a church. And so we're gonna take some time to pray. In fact, you might wanna stand where you are. Maybe the band want to come up. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray as a community, we're gonna to pray as a church family, mindful of that tension. We're gonna pray with faith. I have faith this morning that, that people will be healed. Do you? Yes, I have faith for that. But I also don't want to brush under the carpet the sometimes harsh reality that we don't see everyone who has prayed for healed. Are you okay with that? Yes. It's a mystery. This side of heaven, we will never understand it fully, but we pray with faith. We pray to a God who can and does heal. 
Last thing I want to say. There's a, a guy called John Wimber that some of you will know. And several, several years ago now, he just started to pray for people to get healed. He didn't see it happening in any of the churches that he went to, but he read his Bible and he came to the conclusion that Jesus still wanted to heal today. And so they started praying and not many people got healed. In fact, no one got healed initially. In fact, all the team got ill because they were surrounding themselves by ill people. But they persisted. They persisted in the grey and they kept on praying and they kept on praying. And you know, John Wimber said this, you know, before we didn't pray for anyone to get healed and no one got healed. And then we started to pray for people to get healed and guess what? We prayed for everyone to get healed and a whole bunch did get healed. And so, the call this morning, the response this morning is really simple. Do you want to get healed? We want to pray for those that are longing for healing. We want to stand with you. It takes courage. And just to say you are here on your own terms. You know, disability, there is a complexity there as well. And we don't ever wanna be a church that assumes to pray for anyone who may visibly have a disability. You are here on your own terms. If you wanna pray for healing, you have agency in this. You make the choice. No one's gonna put that on you. And so what I'm gonna invite you to do is if you would like prayer for healing, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna invite you to come forward to the front. And I know it takes guts to do it. But this woman, this woman, she came out of 12 years of isolation. She pushed through a crowd who didn't want her to be there. She broke the law. And I'm inviting you just to take a few steps to come forward to the front. I don't say that manipulatively, you don't have to. But let's just put it in the context of this woman's desperation. And again, we pray in the tension. We pray in the tension of the grey. So if that's you, why don't you just begin to come forward? It might be physical healing. It might be emotional healing. But you know there is something in you that is broken and you need God by His Spirit to come with that shalom, to bring wholeness, to bring restoration. You might wanna bring a friend. Feel free to do that. Just begin to come forward and if the team could come as well, that would be great. And just to say, you may have come forward for pray, prayer hundreds of times before. There is no too many times. There is no too many times. Maybe if the team just wanna come and start laying on hands and praying, it's really simple. We're just gonna pray, bring your healing, bring your healing. And if you sense anything in your body, you sense God moving, encourage the person that's praying for you. Sometimes we feel a physical response to healing and it's a way of knowing that God is moving in our bodies. You can keep coming. Sometimes it needs a few people to come and then it just spurs others on. So you can keep coming.
If you are praying for somebody, um, why don't you just ask them, what, what is it? What, what is it that I can pray for? And again, you're here on your own terms. If you don't wanna say what it is, you don't need to, don't worry. But it helps. It might be like if it's a shoulder, they might wanna just put a hand on, their, on your shoulder. If it's a knee, on your knee. Appropriate, yeah? You follow me? There's more people that need praying for. So there are people who are gastric group leaders, team leaders. If you're used to praying with people, you've been through prayer ministry training, please come and pray. Please come and pray. We really need lots of people to come and pray this morning. And again, if you're praying for somebody, you could say, you can, you can after you've prayed for a little while, why don't you just say to them, are you feeling anything? Is anything happening? And then you can pray some more. There's no formula, no magic formula other than in Jesus' Name, be healed. In Jesus' Name, be healed. That's what we're praying. In Jesus' Name, be healed. What's broken, be healed. What's out of whack, be healed. What's imbalanced, be healed. Be healed. And just as people are, are receiving prayer for healing, I mentioned earlier that um, there might be people here and you don't know what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've heard the stories. Maybe you're here with a friend who's been telling you about Jesus. Maybe you've been on your own independent sort of voyage of discovery, but you know, you're standing here today, you know that right now you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you did a long time ago, but you're back here in church today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want, you want to begin that relationship today. And we begin that relationship by putting our faith in Him like this woman did. By putting our faith in the truth that He is the only one who can save. He is the only one who can forgive. And so if that's you, the words of this prayer are gonna pop up on a screen. And I'm gonna encourage you now, if that's you, to pray this prayer we're gonna do it together line by line. I'm gonna leave a little bit of space so that you can repeat it in your own mind, in your own heart. And then we'll say Amen. Okay, so if that's you, here goes, we're gonna pray this prayer. Thank you God for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know that I have made mistakes and now I ask for your total forgiveness. I turn away from everything I know is wrong. Today I choose to put my faith in you and say yes to following You. Please come into my life and fill me with Your Holy Spirit now. And if I could invite you, if you're, if you're at the front, don't worry, but if, if you're not, can I just invite everyone just to close their eyes for a moment, just for a moment, because I'd love to give you an opportunity. If you prayed that prayer, 
for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to invite you just to pop a hand up in the air. No one's looking apart from me. Thank you. I'm just gonna catch your eye. Put your hand up nice and high. Have you prayed that prayer for the first time? Thank you, thank you. You say, yes, thank you, thank you. Best decision you will ever make. I know there's team that have got bags, so we'd love to just give you a little bag. Just maybe if you could just keep your hand up a little bit so that they can see you, thank you. We'll get a bag to you. And in that bag, it's just a few little resources to help you take those first steps. But we would love to invite you back to the desk. It says, I have decided we can chat with you and help you on this journey. Uh, just, we're gonna worship together. If, if anyone uh, who is kind of a part of the furniture here or if you have a, if you have a, a prophetic word, like a sense about a, a, a condition, that, that somebody might have here. I'm just gonna be down here at the front. Just come and, come and share it with me. Because um, if there's time, we'd just love to share, to share those because God can really move through that. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you wanna find out more, visit our website, gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.